Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. We've created a new way to protect you from unpredictable interest rates. Our exclusive rate shield approval. First, we lock your interest rate for up to 90 days. Then if rates go up, your rate stays locked. But if rates go down, your rate drops. Either way, you win. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Racial approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply. Hello, welcome into the Bird Gang Blitz podcast, the fourth and final game of the preseason edition. Uh, I know it's not going to be the most exciting that we'll have for that one. Maybe we'll see a few more turnovers, but really it's all about getting ready for the regular season and finishing those last couple of spots that we have available on the roster joined as always by my co-host venerable john venerable john how you doing tonight i'm great blake i'm even better we are, we are technically live while the cardinals kick off their final preseason game uh, of the offseason trying to go four and oh and have just kicked off to the denver broncos i'm anxious to see some of these uh fringe 53 players i know you are blake yeah, definitely. The one player who is not participating tonight, uh, whether the injury or coach's decision, would be uh, their rookie quarterback, Josh Rosen. Uh, this was an interesting kind of couple of days because a lot of people thought that Rosen was going to play. Uh, he's only had thrown the ball about 29 times in the preseason. Uh, he has a chance of being the starter if Sam Bradford goes down, even as soon as May- it could be even as soon as early as the first snap of the first game if Sam Bradford gets hurt. John, do you think this is the right decision? Are they being protective of Rosen with this by, you know, not putting him out there in a meaningless preseason game to get hurt without that offensive line? Or should they be putting him in for a series or two, getting him the reps? What are your thoughts about this? Did Wilkes make the right or wrong decision here? Yeah, I think he made the right decision, uh, assuming that he wasn't going to play his first team offensive line. Blake, you made a great point, you know, that I initially think of that, you know, what's the harm in playing your first team offensive line just a series or, you know, a three and out or however long it would take for Blake to, to get his reps in. But you've already lost A.Q. Shipley. You've already lost your first string center. You know D.J. Humphreys has an injury history. Andre Smith doesn't look all that great right now. I think it would actually be pretty good for his confidence to play him early. But at the same time, or early in this game, but, you know, at the same time, just can't afford Rosen to, to, to get injured long-term. Uh, I don't think it has anything to do with the hand. He looked fine, uh, you know, leading into the game last week. He's looked great from all accounts throughout practice this week. Um, the, the fact of the matter is they don't game plan for these games, especially for this game. It's very vanilla coverages, vanilla defense. I mean, what, what would it really say 
if he went and shredded this, you know, first team or second team, excuse me, Bronco defense, you know, up and down the field. I, I checked my uh, stat caster before this game started, and I, I think Brock Osweiler was having a monster monster game tonight. So that shows you everything <laughs> oh gosh, everything yes. you need to know about the preseason, and especially game four. If the Cardinals – and I got pushed back on Twitter when I said this. The Cardinals have seen Josh Rosen every day, uh, you know, throughout the offseason. You know, I know they don't go live in camp, but they go close to it. And, and so they've seen what he can do. They, they are super impressed with this young man. They know, you know, his tendencies, what he probably needs to work on. At the end of the day, do I think he's ready to start the regular season? I, I still believe that to be true. I think he gives the Cardinals the best chance to, rent, to win. But at the same time, you know, if you're, if you're dead set, which they are, on starting Sam Bradford, he is one hit away from, from Josh Rosen playing. We know that. So there's no way I'm going to take a risk with Rosen out there with the second-team offensive line, with the lack of depth this team has. Now, the Cardinals had one of the better offensive lines in football. They had built up some quality depth. Then that's one thing. But at the same time, because of the fact that, you know, this unit has struggled mightily in the preseason, you know, I would lean on the side of caution. And, again, as much as, you know, we feel like we've kind of been cheated out of his appearance this season or this preseason, when you think about his first appearance was a complete wash because they just – set him up for failure with that showing of that offensive line, second team offensive line week two of the preseason. He balled out against the saints. Like we all thought he would last week, of course, unfortunate fluke injury, thumb, uh, hit, uh, hitting his thumb on a teammate's helmet in practice. The fact that he, you know, sat out probably could have played, had a bit of real game, but again, there's just no reason to take, you know, these kind of cautious or these, um, no reason to take these kind of risks in the preseason. And so I'm not surprised, you know, after hearing him say that, he, you know, reps are reps, he'd love to get these reps. But at the same time, you know, at the end of the day, it's not going to – it's going to do much of nothing, especially considering who he'd be playing with and who he'd be playing against. Yeah, and there's been a huge shift we've just seen in the NFL where teams have been moving away from playing their starters a lot in the preseason. Uh, even if you look at the Cardinals this year, they didn't play a single starting quarterback, whether it was Rivers, Breeze, uh, Dak Prescott. The Cardinals basically played Sam Bradford enough because he had not been getting really the snaps in uh, with all of his off days he'd been having. So they ended up putting him enough, and there's really not a really a positive or a negative. I mean, you can argue either side, I think, with Rosen. For me, I felt like, it, you know, reps are reps. It's important. You can put that on film. You can review. You'll look at tendencies. But if you weren't going to play in this game, at least for that one, and I think, honestly, it did come down to, like you're saying, like, if you're going to put Rosen out there, Steve Wilkes has probably made up his mind he's not going to put Josh Rosen out there without that first-team offensive line. I mean, even tonight, I know it's uh, Daniel Munyer. He's back at center tonight. They're putting Evan Bain at left guard. You're like, why are they doing that? Well, it's not to get Bain more reps at center. It's to make sure that they can see the flexibility for each guy at least to be able to know that. And so if you're, you know, having when you're back at center rolling snaps again, or if Bame isn't able to hold up at guard, you're not really going to want Josh Rosen back there. And likewise with the way that Mike Yupati has looked with how DJ Humphreys has been finally healthy. Um, you've got some road graders and having another one of those guys go down. I, I'd agree. It was, it's definitely too much of a risk. Um, but overall, um, I, let's go and review a little bit of what we've just seen from Rosen since the book might be closed until 2019 is a possibility I still think it's more than likely that he will get some time playing with the Cardinals in this year 
But what is kind of the overall feeling that we have on Rosen right now? Because I know that the biggest thing that I have seen, at least, is that this is a guy who seems to be ready to assume the mantle. He's just not mentally quite at that level yet compared to Sam Bradford. But the biggest difference I've seen is that with David Johnson and this Cardinals rushing attack, you're probably going to average about five yards carry. Sam Bradford seems to be throwing at about five yards per attempt. So if your running game is good, then you're in solid. If you end up having penalties or being pushed back, we just haven't seen him push the ball downfield and then not having as many weapons down there. So overall with Rosen, you saw the first game he struggled at least. A lot of that was on the other team around him. The second game he bounced back. Kind of that's, that's kind of it. The book isn't closed on Josh Rosen's career, obviously, but it's at least closed on this preseason. What are your, kind of your lasting thoughts before we move on about what we've seen from Rosen this year? He's going to start. I think he's going to start before the bye, before week eight. I think they obviously want Bradford. They want to get some return on their investment. Uh, they're paying him $15 million this season. He has shown uh, to, get, to be honestly completely immobile. He's injury prone. The Cardinals have a beyond suspect offensive line. They've got a complete reliability at right tackle. I just, you know, you don't root for injuries. I, I would never root for injuries on, on any individual for any team, but there's just no way Bradford's going to stay healthy for this entire season. I think you could see a scenario in which Bradford goes down. It's not necessarily season ending, but, you know, he gets Wally pipped by, you know, Josh Rosen. He comes in and plays well. And, and what are you going to do, go back to Bradford? Unless Rosen just completely embarrasses himself, let's say Bradford's out for a two- to three-game stretch. In the past, we've seen that with Carson Palmer and Drew Stanton. We always knew, okay, at the end of the day, Palmer's your starter gives you the best chance to win. The minute Josh Rosen becomes the starting quarterback of this team, that's it. Mm-hmm. And so Bradford ought to know, once he goes out, he is, he is done probably as a, as, as a cardinal for his career. Uh-huh. So – I, w- I would think that they're going to go heavy on the run game. You'll see that early and often. And they'll hopefully play ball control, special teams, and defense. I think they're both going to be improved. Can't be any worse on special teams. But at the same time, you know, offensively, three to five step drops, asking him to check it down to David and, and Ricky Seals-Jones, work the intermediate passing game. I don't know if he can drive the ball downfield as well as he used to. And it's not that's not arm strength per se. I, I think part of that is – Lower body, can you push the ball downfield with your lower body with that suspect knee? I just, I think you're asking for trouble when you combine the Cardinals schedule, which is not easy. We've talked about it at great length. Oh, no. Cardinal, the Cardinals offensive line struggles. And then you're, I, I think Bradford's just as immobile, if not more so, than Carson Palmer. And I, he's way more injury prone. So I, I think, again, a couple of things. The only way I think that Rosen does not play at all this season, and it would kind of be, I mean, it'd be a nice surprise. It would disappoint me from a Josh Rosen fan, would be if Bradford plays out of his mind. The car, If Bradford plays out of his mind, the Cardinals are going to the playoffs. Cardinals have a top 10 defense. They have improved special teams. They've got great home field advantage. If, if Bradford is holding off Rosen because he's playing well, the Cardinals are going to be in this. Does that, do a lot of people think that's going to happen? I, I don't. But that, that would be the only scenario, Blake, that I see him playing all year. Yeah, the, the biggest thing I could think of, and when you look at the defense, how it is, they have 16 turnovers, which is almost double of whatever any other team has so far through the preseason. Yes, it's the preseason. Yes, they play backups. But the Cardinals' defense has reacted so well to Steve Wilkes' defense. In fact, even as we're just looking at the TV, Jaquiz Smith uh, just dropped into coverage, picks off another pass. They now have 17 turnovers. They're averaging like one and a half turnovers per quarter. It's, which un- like, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And part of it is, yeah, it's not going to be like that during the regular season. But this is a defense that I do agree is if you're looking 
looking at they've been a top seven, maybe even top five defense the last couple of years. And we even talked about this last year, that they were still not playing to their strength. We felt that James Betcher was kind of holding the team back. And now that Steve Wilkes has been able to kind of unleash a bit more of the playmaking by being able to hold things tight up front and being able to, you know, allow the playmakers to kind of get their hands on the ball. I do think that this is a possibility of the Cardinals being able to kind of pull a 2017 Jacksonville Jaguars, where if you get solid enough quarterback play, you look at having a strong running back and a run game. As long as you're able to be efficient in the red zone and can force turnovers on defense and special teams, you're going to win a lot of games in this league. Now, the biggest question then comes up is, are you going to be able to have enough of a quarterback who's going to be able to be smart, make the right plays? Because we saw with Blake Bortles last year, his mobility ended up being one of the biggest reasons why Jacksonville was able to make that. He was able to get out of the way on sacks, being able to run downfield. He was very effective in the short, quick passing game. Still turned over the ball quite a bit. We can see that in the Cardinals game, but uh, against Blaine Gabbert when he defeated the Jaguars. But I really think that when people are looking at this Cardinals team, when you're saying about being like, you know, a 5-11 and 11 or a 6-10 and 10 team being kind of the floor, I think maybe it's possible that we're kind of underrating this Cardinals defense, how good it could be. Maybe we could look at 7-8 and eight wins be the floor and start talking about this. Is Maybe this is a 9-10 to 10 win team if they can keep, you know, their quarterback upright. And I, I agree with you. If Bradford goes down, there's going to be some adjustments. There will be some learning. But I think you'll see kind of some of the mistakes that Josh Rosen might be making I think might be offset by taking a look at, you know, some of the – the plus plays he'll be able to make at least downfield, being able to, you know, with manipulate the safety a bit more and being able to have a guy like Larry Fitzgerald to go to. So I think that looking at the Cardinals overall, the biggest thing I think that we've seen and learned through this preseason is we really have undersold just how good this defense is. And maybe that's because they've lulled us to sleep the last few years by what they're affecting this, but we've been able to see them take the turnovers at an astounding rate. And I think that's a big, huge key into the game where if you start seeing them continue this track of turnovers, I think you're going to start talking about this as a playoff team to the point where as long as the quarterback can be at least effective with the ball and efficient, not having to go out and make plays, but being able to take what the defense gives them, I think you might be looking at this as a playoff team uh, potentially. John, I, I don't know if your thoughts at least on that. Do you think that this is a, as far as for the defense, what we've seen from preseason, who are some of these guys who have been standing out for you as far as with that one? Who's been the biggest uh, surprise that you've seen on the defense? And where do you think is kind of the biggest hole that's left on this defense that we still have to figure out? Yeah, I think um, overall the defense has played tremendous, obviously. I think they still give up a little bit too much in the run game. Uh, I think they, the lack of a dominant defensive tackle may plague them early on in the season, but from just an opportunistic standpoint, uh, and if, you know, if takeaways obviously are, are very strong. I would say one of the more impressive individuals that I've seen um, just in the last game was Dale Buchanan. Dale Buchanan mm-hmm. looks like he's ready to thrive in this role of, you know, the field general for this defense under Steve Wilkes playing the, the de facto kind of Dom- Thomas Davis role. Uh, Cardinals hope they have their Luke Keekley in some way, shape, or form with Hassan Reddick. I know they play a little bit different of positions, but at the same time, I thought Dayon Buchanan showed why he was a first-round pick uh, last week. It showed why he, I think, is in line, hopefully at some point for an extension, why the Cardinals picked up his fifth-year option. If people don't remember how effective he was his first two seasons in 2014-2015, he was uh, really kind of the cog in the middle for the Cardinals defensively, especially in 2015 and route to the NFC championship game flew, was flying all over the field, probably played himself. I think into a pro bowl consideration that season. 
has battled injuries these past two seasons. Now I think he's in his best role as a, you know, tweener linebacker safety, but now you see these positions of, you know, smaller, faster linebackers, thinner linebackers playing in a four, three thriving. Now I I think he'll be exceptional for the Steve Wolf Wilkes defense. I think he's going to have, you know, his chance to, to make, you know, his presence felt as he looks for a new contract. Um, on the defensive line, just continue to be impressed with Olsen Pierre, what he's done. The Cardinals, if you can remember, stashed him away on their active roster three years ago. Uh, so he wouldn't be plucked off a practice squad. And everybody's like, well, you know, he's a developmental guy. Is, is, he, is he really anything to write home about? Of course, comes in last year. I think five, five and a half sacks in a, in a rotational role. I think we're all expecting big things from him. He's looked great in this preseason. And Robert Kimdichie, from what I've seen, has looked fine. Uh, again, he's on lower track body to stuff, man. So lower body. That's right. That's that right. Out. Now, thankfully, it's not anything similar to what he's faced in the last two off seasons. Uh, he's on track to, fingers crossed, be ready for the opener. Um, and then, you know, in the secondary, again, the ascension of Buda Baker. I think is going to be one of the things to watch this year. Him getting national respect. Everybody freaked out when Tyron Matthew was cut from this team, part of which he wouldn't take a pay cut. And I think part of that too was the fact that, you know, we've got our tweener safety corner in Buda Baker that we think is a younger Tyron, probably knock on wood. And this isn't a knock against Tyron, somebody who's built a little bit more for the NFL, bigger, thicker, lower body, somebody who is an elite tackler, somebody who I think will immediately come in this year be a leader in that secondary along with Patrick Peterson and should, again, like they own, hopefully garner some Pro Bowl votes. Uh, and then what I think, yeah, just a little bit of a cause for concern, again, is just the lack of scheme knowledge I think could show early. And you know, I mentioned this in one of the first preseason podcasts that, we, that we've done. I didn't expect the defense to play this well early on. Maybe I should because they hired a defensive head coach. But at the same time, when you flip defensive schemes – you're essentially starting over. You've got the talent, but at the same time, you know, Washington is going to be implementing a new quarterback. So I don't know if game one's maybe the best gauge, but you go up to LA in week two against that high powered Rams offense. So what Todd Gurley did to this team last year in both meetings, it's going to be a good litmus test. I still, again, I still worry that number one, the Cardinals don't have the dominant interior defensive linemen. Uh, I'm not so concerned with Marcus Golden being out because I think they've got some nice rotational players there. But then also, do the Cardinals have enough depth and inside linebacker to sustain an injury? Somebody like Dayon, who's been nicked up. Josh Bynes, we'll see how he does at nickel linebacker. And then Hassan Reddick, who unfortunately, Blake, is you and I are watching, is playing right now in a fourth preseason game. That's That's not what you want. So I have a little bit of cause for concern, but at the same time, at the end of the season, I expect this defense to be humming on all cylinders, just like in years prior. Yeah, and I think for me, the biggest area, like you talked about, the depth at linebacker is one area. Gerald Hodges is kind of the guy who seems to be maybe not maybe a complete lock to make the roster at this point, but he seems like he's come in, has been showing up not just on special teams, but also has shown enough awareness in the game. I believe he did have one of those interceptions, one of the turnovers the other day. He seems like he's adjusted well to Wilt's defense, and is, I'm not nearly as worried about that spot. I think the biggest question that you have to look at, honestly, overall, like you mentioned with Marcus Golden, is, is a guy like a Benson Moayo 
or of Ontarius Dora, who has been one of the best, better pass rushers, honestly, in the preseason overall, not just for the Cardinals, but overall, which has been uh, at least nice to have when you're talking about with between him and then a guy like Cap Cappy. You can see how the preseason doesn't really mean much in the regular season, but it's still better than the alternative when you look at that. And uh, I think that's where the biggest pressure to have is, you know, moving into the regular season, how when you do have those injuries, people start getting nicked up. What's going to be kind of the depth on this team? I think that's going, hopefully not going to get tested early. But I think you're right. We've got depth at defensive line. At least you've seen that with Olsen Pierre. We've got a couple of new guys who've been brought in. Rodney Gunter, of course, is probably going to be there on the roster. Uh, you're also looking at the secondary. They still have a Ben Ben Wickery behind, at least, as well as um, you know with Trey Boston. He's going to get plenty of time, at least, in nickel on the team. So I think that those are the two positions that you're still saying you're pretty much good to go on uh just here right now cardinals even we had a touchdown pass from mike glennon to trent sherfield sherfield uh the Cardinals staff loves him he was a guy who right immediately after the undrafted free agent signings most people said they believed that he was going to make the 53 uh just for they loved his ability as a receiver it's actually a very very uh, interesting kind of juxtaposition as chad kelly throws an ill-advised interception mike glennon tosses a beautiful 26 yard pass right to sherfield and goes down tosses a touchdown to greg little before we get into the offense, let's talk a little bit about Mike Lennon because this is a big thing. We had some rumors throughout the week that the Broncos were loosely tied to Mike Lennon. They might want to pursue a veteran quarterback behind Case Keenum. They had Chad Kelly basically pass up Paxton Lynch, and it wasn't even close on their depth charts. Is this kind of a move? Do you think that it's wise for the Cardinals to keep Mike Lennon on the roster, have that veteran guy in case just – you know, the hold on in case you see Sam Bradford go down early so you don't have to put all the pressures on Josh Rosen right away. Maybe it's taking that a beating if it need to in week two against the Rams. Or if the Broncos do make an offer, is this a spot where maybe the Cardinals should consider that? And then for that matter, then, has Chad Kinoff shown enough at least to be able to say that maybe he deserves a spot, not on the practice squad or maybe as a future developmental guy, but on the 53-man roster? Maybe we have to see some of that still tonight. But, John, what are your thoughts at least about with Mike Lennon and from what you've seen with the Cardinals? Is he going to be on the 53? Uh, I cannot be more clear on when I say if any team has any interest in trading for Mike Glennon for any kind of compensation, <laughs> that's that's worth anything in terms of draft picks, in terms of a player that they think can make their 53-man roster. Um, you hang up the phone and you fax the paperwork into the league immediately or you email or whatever you have to do to secure that trade. Mike Glennon has no future on this team other than maybe backing up Josh Rosen next year. I, I think his ceiling is, is incredibly limited. I didn't get the signing um, when they uh, brought him in. I thought that the plan was always going to be Bradford and a rookie. They gave Glennon a two-year deal. I think that sweetens the pot potentially if a team wants to bring him in kind of on the cheap next year. Uh, and again, the best thing for the Cardinals, is, like you mentioned, Blake, is what we've seen so far is he looks good in this in this opening preseason game. Again, it's, it's fourth stringers. Imagine what Josh Rosen would be doing right now, but at the same time, um, Rosen is ready to play right now. People who think that 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 Mike Lennon should start over potentially Josh Rosen if something were to happen to Bradford in the first game or two, like did you not pay attention to the entire draft process? This is not Josh Allen, my, um, you know Lamar Jackson, Rudolph, any Kyle Aletta. Josh Rosen was the most pro-ready prospect. He still is the most pro-ready prospect, maybe hand-in-hand with with Sam Darnold, who's looked phenomenal with probably lesser talent with the Jets' offense, and and we'll see him start week one with the trade of Teddy Bridgewater. Josh Rosen is ready to start right now. And so 
the fact that Mike Lennon is still on the team right now leads you to believe that they're trying to work out a trade because I don't see them keeping three quarterbacks. I don't see them keeping his salary, which I think if you cut him, little to no dead money is incorporated with that. Um, he is being showcased tonight 100%. I don't expect him to be on the team this weekend. I don't expect him, uh, as much as I've liked what I've seen from the undrafted kid, to carry three quarterbacks. This is the Sam Bradford and Josh Rosen show in 2018. Now, next offseason, if you want to – hey, I'm a big proponent in taking maybe a day three quarterback next year to back up Josh Rosen, get value, you know, play him up a little bit, find somebody who could build, you know, as a long-term solution behind Rosen, um, you know, somebody that maybe you could flip for a pick. We've talked about that before. Mike Lennon has no future on this team. And so the better he plays tonight – I think, I think you could get a sixth or seventh-round pick for, for Mike Glennon after we've seen Teddy Ridgewater get a third-round pick, you know, late day two pick. Um, teams throw away sixth and seventh-round picks all the time, and there's no more of an important quarterback or um, position than quarterback. And Mike's got a lot of experience. He played okay in those early years for Tampa, worked with little to no talent, showed some things. Last year, again, with the Chicago Bears, you could make an argument. Mike has never played with any talent. Right. In those early years with Tampa, they were a contender for the number one pick. Last year with Chicago Bears, um, that you just saw Mitch Trubisky did not play well when he took over from Mike Glennon. They just kind of put him in by default. Uh, I think Mitch Trubisky passed for, I think, on average 182 yards and not even had double-digit touchdowns in any of his games, had seven touchdowns in like 11 games. Mike Lennon was just that much more terrible than Mitch was last year. And I'm not saying Mike's better than Mitch. What I am saying is that they thought enough of him to start him at the beginning of the season. Mitch wasn't ready after the preseason, probably wasn't ready all year. They had no talent to speak of offensively. He had a nice running game. So he kind of got the short end of the stick last year. Has shown to be pretty mediocre this preseason. But again, you know, you put him on a team like – the Minnesota Vikings of a year ago, maybe he can have his Case Keenum moment with somebody uh, because he was a second-round pick. He was a high pick out of NC State. I think the Cardinals are going to flip him. Could could it be the Denver Broncos, the team he's currently kind of shredding in this first quarter, the team that doesn't really have a backup plan to said Case Keenum? It, it'll be interesting to see. But I, I just – Sam, I think the Cardinals are going to carry two quarterbacks. Whether the, I think this rookie could be a practice squad candidate. Uh, but I, I think that's going to be the end of it. And I think Rosen's going to play sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think that that's the biggest thing I think with Glennon is that if you look at how the season went, if the Cardinals had had a guaranteed, like let's say the Cardinals had the number one draft pick, they would not have been signing Mike Glennon this offseason. You would have basically been signing Sam Bradford and knowing that you're going to be getting like your quarterback of the future. If they had had that guaranteed in the past, hindsight's 2020, they probably wouldn't have brought in Mike Glennon. He was kind of their backup for Sam Bradford. And if they had a guy like, you know, if they you know had to take a Rudolph or all that early, fortunately things worked out in their favor. The question then becomes how much then do you trust as far as with Mike Lennon over the long haul because every week that's going to pass Rosen's going to get more and more prepped and more and more ready so maybe the value of Glennon in week two is going to be far different from the value of Mike Lennon like you know in week 15 or 16 at least when Josh Rosen has been able to get a lot more accustomed to the game and the game is really like not just slowed down for him but he's able to have a lot more of improvement from the work he'll be getting at least either through practice or if he is playing games by that time I think I would trade him if a team would offer a pick if they're not going to um, from what I at least know of the team they really at least are high on Glennon as far as his ability to be able to 
perform. Uh, they've been on high on him for a while, especially reaching back even to the years where there was Carson Palmer rumors. Lennon was going to be kind of their stopgap guy. He has been injured throughout this season. He hadn't gotten as many reps for that one. We're seeing a little bit tonight against, you know, the kind of the fourth string of fourth string defenses that you can get to in that fourth preseason game. But I think he's effective enough at least that you're going to probably see him be on the roster because he has NFL game experience. And because for me, the more I thought about it, even if I was going to go with Bradford, Rosen, and Kanoff, just to have that kind of, you know, potential benefit you would get from a Charles Kanoff or a Chad Kanoff on the roster, him being maybe a developmental guy into a long term, probably is outweighed by just being able to have a guy who's been there and has done it before. So for me, I, at least from what I know, is it would be a shock if Glennon wasn't on the roster unless the team does offer a pick. If a team doesn't offer a pick, uh, there's not really any chance that I think that he's going to be going anywhere. Uh, we'll have to see. Stranger things at least have happened. But for the most part, I think that the whole thing is, is that Mike Glennon has less to do with Josh Rosen and a lot more to do with their thoughts on Sam Bradford. We'll take a quick break here on the Bird Game Blitz podcast. Uh, we'll come back. We'll take a look at the offense, how that's performed, some of the biggest um, surprises, some of the biggest kind of you know, concerns we'll have. And we'll wrap it up with kind of our final predictions on the 53-man roster. It's all coming next here on the Bird Game Blitz podcast. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. And we're back here on the Bird Game Blitz podcast, uh, coming to you, uh, recording during the fourth preseason game against the Denver Broncos. Cardinals are up currently 7-0 on a Greg Little touchdown reception. Good for him. He's a probably been one of the best stories, at least, you've had from the Cardinals this year as far as for coming back to the NFL after being out of the league, uh, you know, kind of having to learn to adjust and play special teams. Uh, John, let's talk a little bit about what we've seen with the offense, particularly with the, the biggest things that we have seen as far as for what we know the strength of this team's offense is going to be, and also some of the biggest holes and concerns, and that kind of comes down to, in my opinion, the wide receiver position. you got Christian Kirk and Chad Williams both not playing tonight. Both guys probably are your number two A and two B wide receivers right now. It kind of leaves it up to the guys like the Greg Little, the Bryce Butlers, the J.J. Nelsons, uh, Trent Sherfield already, as we've mentioned. He's got a nice catch in this game. He's probably a lock on the roster. What do we want to say at least about the offense? Like, Who do you think is going to be the guy at wide receiver 
And what do you think about the rest of the team this year? Because for me, I think that this is a team where outside of maybe the run blocking of the offensive line, this team is vastly outweighed by how good its defense is compared to its offense currently under Sam Bradford. Well, I think it's nice that the Cardinals' second and third receiver are homegrown talents, right? Think about, oh, yeah. about what we've seen from, from uh, Chad Williams specifically, who was a complete no-show uh, last year and has come out and had a nice camp rapport with Josh Rosen and I think somebody who's very much in the mix for early playing time and uh, you look around the league right now and the just the dilemma receiver receiver was a position I think that was kind of a luxury you know two to three years ago now with all the rule changes in favor of the offense you're seeing teams load up on receiver uh like you know the Atlanta Falcons adding yet another first round wide receiver and Calvin Ridley teams are just continuing to add that position and you've got defensive stars like, you know, Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald who want new contracts who haven't gotten them, but these receivers are getting paid. Second, third, third-tier receivers. Tyler Lockett, I think, is getting $11 million a year. That's insane. That's insane. So, so it's great that the Cardinals are able to hopefully draft and develop some guys behind Larry Fitzgerald so they're not stuck in that position when and if he retires maybe in a year or two. Uh, and those are two individuals. Again, second and third-round picks, those are guys – we want to see contributions early. I think Christian Kirk mm-hmm. will probably be the Cardinals rookie of the year, assuming Josh Rosen doesn't play a full season. He's looked phenomenal in his limited preseason time, both as a return man in, uh, in the passing game, caught the lone touchdown pass from Josh Rosen this preseason. I'm excited to watch those two develop, and you know who better to teach them than Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, but that, that could be a staple for this team. But you, know, you mentioned it, Blake, at the end of the day. This, this offense runs at least for the next year or so through David Johnson, and he's looked incredible this preseason. He's looked like, you know, he's been frankly shot out of a cannon and could have broken any of his first uh, two runs in the first preseason game for touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very much a patient runner, but you can, you can tell that he's been anxious to get on the field and has that explosiveness back, if not better. Uh, Andy Benoit of SI said the best thing for David was to miss all last year with an upper body injury because it saved his legs. No, I don't know if Cardinal fans would agree with that, (laughs) but at the same time, I I think he's going to have his best statistical season from a rushing standpoint, may not have 20 plus touchdowns uh, or, you know, close to a thousand yards receiving, but I think he could go for 1400 yards on the ground. And then, you know, you look at what the Cardinals are paying two offensive guards with Mike Iupati and giving him $8 million a year Justin Pugh, who's, who's getting $13 million a year. That's $21 million for your left and right guard. Neither one of those guards are considered elite at their position, but at the same time, they are above average in something that they do. Mike Ayupati, I believe, is a, an above average run blocker. I think Mike and uh, Justin Pugh can be an above average pass protector at right guard if they keep him there. The Giants got cute, like to move him around. It's a lot of money tied up in those two positions. They're counting on those two individuals to make an impact. You're starting a rookie center, starting a left tackle who essentially hasn't proven anything. Right now you're, you're paying Andre Smith about $2.5 million maybe to kind of be the placeholder at right tackle until you figure it out, whether that's this year uh, with, with some of the developmental guys that you've got in the fold or if that's probably next offseason you find your right tackle of the future. Uh, this offensive line, to me, I think has more upside than people think, assuming everybody can stay healthy. That's a big question mark. But I do think they have more talent than they've had in past years. And, again, everybody is expecting DJ Humphreys to be a Pro Bowl caliber type of player based on his draft status, how much they see him, you know, in the Cardinal fan videos. He's on the media guide. 
he had a rough week last week, gave up two sacks, one of which I think wasn't his fault. He's waiting for the back to chip and come help. But it was just the explosiveness of the play of everything with that. Right. Like, okay, hold on here. <laughs> National televised game just didn't look all that comfortable. At the end of the day, DJ Humphreys just needs to complete a full season. Then we can really evaluate his play. I think it's premature to say, well, this guy's a bust or he can't play or he's supposed to be X, Y, or Z. DJ Humphreys right now is on the fourth year, I believe, of, of a fifth, five-year deal. They picked up his uh, rookie option for his fifth year. Just get him through the 16 games. Then you can say, okay, do we need to replace both tackles? Or, okay, we like what we see. Give him a marginal extension. Or, okay, he's, you know, knock on wood. Let's, he's a pro bowler. Let's give him a monster deal. So right. I think they have to be patient. I think fans have to be patient. Just like I said, you got to be patient with the defense. This year – as, as much as Cardinal fans may not want to hear it, it's kind of a transition year in a lot of ways. doesn't mean you can't win or be competitive, but you're implementing two essentially rookie wide receivers into the fold, a, a tight end that played sparingly, at least for parts of last year with Ricky Seals-Jones, hopefully a rookie quarterback, um, you know, essentially a, a rookie center, uh, a new right guard, a new right tackle, a left tackle who's barely played, a lot of things could happen. I still think they're going to be better than people think. I think they're going to be about middle of the pack, maybe 17th, 18th, which I think a lot of people would take. But, again, they need to be concerned about keeping their quarterbacks healthy and running the football effectively. And I think they'll do that for the most part. Definitely. No, and I think it's um, uh, interesting. We just had looks like a, a helmet collision, at least, with um, A.J. Howard on the TV screen. At least he's a guy who has been kind of interesting where he was almost like getting some of the first team reps early up until Trey Boston showed up for that one. Uh, but, yeah, no, but speaking of the offense, I think that you're right about how this is a year where you're almost kind of seeing that you know, 20, you're going to try to win games in 2018. But you're really in a lot of different ways recognizing you've got an older Mike Upati who's a, and when he's you know on top of everything he's an elite run blocker. But you're also having to take a look at the fact that uh, with Justin Pugh in the fold and everything now you're spending so much money in the guard position. If Humphreys is either gets hurt or isn't able to hold up, and you know that Andre Smith is kind of on that one year you know transition while they were able to save some contract amount from Jared Valdier, it's really tough to be able to know whether you're going to have to get three new offensive linemen next year, or if you're going to be kind of looking at it like saying, yeah, you know, we're set. We'll bring back your potty for another year. He's still looking good. And we can just need to address right tackle and the line plays well. I think that's the biggest key to looking at what the Cardinal success is going to be. It is based around that offensive line because you're going to want to not just protect Sam Bradford, but you're also hoping that David Johnson can run the football. And, and speaking of David Johnson, I don't know if you've you know seen pictures of his biceps that he's had, but the man looks like he's not like put on weight, but more that he's lost like any type of baby fat or any type of, you know, um, extra, like any fat that was on the net. He yeah, looks like he looks, he looks like vintage Adrian, Adrian Peterson. If you oh remember gosh. how fat Adrian Peterson was the first couple of years he was in the league, that's what David it's like unstoppable. And it wasn't like it was, uh, he's been over, I agree with you. It's been kind of the, the impact that he's going to have has really been undersold because this isn't like, you know, he was lost to an ACL injury and come back. This is a broken wrist that people were wondering whether week 15, 16, 17, they put him back in to try to win a few more games. Cardinals decided, no, we don't want to have any type of setback. At least that's there. They wanted to make it. The wrist took a little bit longer to heal than it did. This is a guy who's kind of ready to go for that. Now maybe you use the year. You're closer to 30. You got a contract at least that he's playing for. He's going to be motivated. I, I do, 
you think that it is possible that midseason he might get a contract extension? I mean, your hope would be that they'd be able to lock it up before week one just to kind of take that out of there. But I think this is a Cardinals team that really is going to end up being, you know, uh, built around the defense, built around the running game, and built around David Johnson. Let's talk about the other kind of areas we have at tight end, specifically Ricky Seals-Jones, who I've noticed has dropped quite a few passes in the offseason, at least as far as with preseason. He had another drop in the Cowboys game. Very, very difficult pass to kind of haul in for that one. We also have a guy who we really haven't talked about at all with Jermaine Gresham, who was probably the third receiver on the Cardinals in a year where they didn't have a wide receiver too in 2016. Ended up getting hurt last year with an Achilles tear. He's kind of that underrated kind of maybe not X factor, but he's in a scheme now with a guy with Sam Bradford we I believe him played with at Oklahoma in college in a scheme that really favors throwing the ball downfield to the tight end and in a quick pace offense with he's going to favor more of his pass receiving skills versus his ability as a blocker. Like, is this kind of a spot where do you think that Jermaine Gresham, first of all, is he going to be ready to have an impact, whether it's week one or moving forward? But is this going to be a guy who – you know, is he the guy that we're not talking about who ends up being maybe that third receiver for the Cardinals on the year? Or is it going to be more of like the Ricky Seals-Jones that we're going to be talking about here? Or maybe the Christian Kirk? Like, what do you think is kind of going to be the flow of the offense following David Johnson and then Larry Fitzgerald? Yeah, just to touch on Jermaine Gresham, he tore his Achilles. He's on uh, the, the wrong side of 30, I believe, former first rounder. He's had a nice career. 29 turning 30, the F turning 30. Yeah, going to be on the wrong side of 30 this year, coming off a major injury. I think he's going to be a complete non-factor. I'd hate to say that, but uh, just imagine how late that was last year. I think it was in like week 15 or 16 that he tore his Achilles, and so it essentially wiped out his entire offseason. He's on the pup list right now. I think he's going to remain on the pup list. I think we won't see him for the first six weeks of the season, if not further down the line. I think he's somebody you could be thinking, okay, maybe at the midseason point, IR designated for return if you, if you have to put him on IR. I just I don't think he's going to be a factor for this team. It's unfortunate because he's making a ton of money. He's making like $7 million this season. Dead cap money would have been uh, 10.5 times. Resigned him before he got injured. You, you hate to see that, but at the same time, I, just, I don't think he's going to be a factor. So you kind of have to turn to Ricky Seals-Jones, the second-year undrafted guy out of Texas A&M. We had a three-game stretch, uh, just as good as any tight end in football last year, but then kind of disappeared as the season went on. He had kind of a, a nice rapport, if you can remember, with Blaine Gabbard. Mm-hmm. Once Blaine left the lineup and Drew took over and they went to a little bit more conservative, conservative approach offensively, um, you know, he didn't see the targets. I hope in this offense that you would think it's going to use the middle of the field more and not try to stretch the field as much under Bruce Arians. Somebody like Ricky Seals-Jones would be effective. Um, and from a national perspective, I think he's gaining some attention as somebody who could be, for, for you fantasy nerds out there, uh, a, a fringe maybe tier two tight end. Somebody like, you know, an Eric Ebron was in Detroit. You know, things like – somebody like that. I think that if the Cardinals could get four or 500 yards out of him, it's better than any Cardinal tight end they've had in some time uh, outside of the nice year for Gresham two years ago. Uh, certainly have never, you know, drafted and developed a homegrown tight end uh, since they've been to Arizona that, that you can speak on. So uh, I'm anxious to see, you know, his development. I don't know, you know, initially what kind of a factor this – that uh, he's going to have – you know, offensively, but, you know, I think that the Cardinals would like to not be so reliant on David because of the fact that, you know, in years prior, 
David was the offense in 2015, latter half of the season. He was the offense in 2016, the entire season. He was the offense. You have to be able to you know, spread the ball around, become a more balanced team. But I, I just don't know how you're going to do that when you have such an immobile quarterback in Sam Bradford, when you've got the offensive line issues that we've talked about. Uh, I think that the, you know, the backfield now is going to see a lot of carries outside of David Johnson, which I think is a good thing. I think that you want to be able to spell him beginning of the second half, maybe into the fourth quarter. Uh, if you're not, you know, in the need of closing out a game and you're, you've got a comfortable lead um, because essentially you're going to be starting two rookie wide receivers J.J. Nelson and Bryce Butler were starting this game tonight or played. I know J.J. Nelson was one of the starting wide receivers. You're going to go with the young guys, which is great for, for Cardinal fans to watch this unit grow together. But the identity of this offense under Mike McCoy, I think, is going to be ultra conservative. It's going to be different than what we saw under Bruce Arians. So, again, don't get frustrated when this team maybe starts a little slow offensively because you're implementing so many new pieces. We've seen Bradford throw, what, about 13 passes this offseason? He's still, to me, a, like that, yeah. yeah, he's a complete unknown. I, you know, I, I, it was nice that he had a stretch where he essentially hadn't had an incompletion. But, again, if you watch him, he's captain check down. He's more conservative than any quarterback, including the Alex Smiths of the world. So, um, you know, don't get frustrated when you see him pass, you know, on third and seven. You, you, checks down at the marker for about four yards. That's him. That's this offense. So they're going to try to win with defense and special teams early on. But if David can be anywhere close to what he was in 2016, they're going to be all right in terms of hanging in games. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about those wide receivers. You mentioned, like, the guys tonight. Speaking of uh, just a little kind of in-break game update, um, you had a another almost forced turnover from A.J. Howard with a big hit picked up by Zeke Turner. Zeke Turner is a guy who's probably making the roster this year. Howard is a guy who I have really, really liked throughout the process. I don't know if he's going to be able to make the roster. He's probably one of the best 53 players that they have, but just whether it's due to special team space or playing safety, the odds of him making the roster seem to be, like, not a long shot, but it'd be, it'd be difficult to see him there. It'd be either him or Turner. Let's talk a little bit about those wide receivers you mentioned. We had a you know a touchdown pass to Greg Little tonight. Bryce Butler was blocking. J.J. Nelson, the one speed guy who's there. Uh, if they're keeping five receivers, who's going to be the guy that you think that will pick there? Because for me, what I've looked at out of all the players is there's not really a skill set like J.J. Nelson has that's over there. But really, I just think that with the experience that's there, with being able to at least be able to have the impact and then also the size looking for, I probably think that but Bryce Butler, even though he's been hurt throughout this, the availability, he's just shown up a lot more of when he's been in there and been healthy he's made catches he's been able to get yards after catch it's just been about staying healthy but he's not had the drops that Greg Little and J.J. Nelson have had at least for that one uh your thoughts at least for that one which of the wide receivers there do you think is the guy who ends up kind of being the one who ends up making this roster or do the Cardinals just keep four wide receivers there and maybe make a move at at a different position yeah, I think it's going to be Bryce Butler for the reasons you mentioned, kind of his rapport. They brought him in this offseason to be maybe even their number two receiver at the beginning of the offseason, depending on who they got in the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chad Williams, again, was a complete unknown. You didn't know who was going to be available in the draft, what that was going to look like. Uh, J.J. Nelson, to me, has kind of always faced an uphill battle, new coaching staff, different off- offensive philosophy. And basically, Mike McCoy is going to have a lot of say on this. He's going to be the one hand-in-hand with Steve Kime and Steve Wilkes basically indicating this is the rotation, these are the guys I want to work with. You know, I will say, does Bryce Butler want to play special teams? Because right now, that fourth and fifth receiver, that individual needs to play and play well on special teams. Does J.J. Nelson, how does he look on special teams? You know, Greg Little, I think, could have an outside chance based on the fact that 
I think he physically could run down the field and cover a kick. We've seen him do it in this preseason. And too many guys get wrapped up in the Des Bryant's of the world. Any team that brings him in, are you going to give Des Bryant reps over Christian Kirk or Chad Williams, guys you're trying to develop, guys that you think could be uh, solid contributors? Because you know it was the same argument you had for Adrian Peterson last year before David Johnson got hurt and going into this offseason. Why keep Adrian Peterson – on the roster when you know that that second and third team running back has to play special teams. Um, I would personally keep JJ Nelson, like you mentioned, because of the fact that he can stretch the field. And again, when you get Josh Rosen into the fold and you've got an individual with a plus arm, I think who's ready to rock and roll and, and stretch the field like Bradford can at the moment, I think I'd like to try it out with, with JJ and see how it works out. Butler, Bryce Butler to me, uh, has kind of lost his opportunity. you got to be able to stay healthy in this league. If he can't stay healthy for the preseason, he's getting nicked up in camp. What, is that, what does that say for the regular season, uh, the grind of you know 16 games? Not Is he going to pout? Is he going to be frustrated that he's not playing? Uh, I, just, I think he's kind of lost his opportunity. If you cut him tomorrow, it's only, I think, $500,000 against the cap. Yeah, it's not too uh, much now. And J.J. Nelson was one of your own homegrown guys. He's accomplished a lot for you in terms of, you know, in the Bruce Arians era was kind of the de facto number two receiver a couple of years ago. Disappointed last year, dropped a lot of balls, but I think can't teach 4-3 speed. You know, I think, yeah, well, it's four two speed because I think that's the biggest thing that's interesting. I think you got Chad Williams is the four is he's ran a four three at least he didn't get to go to the combine due to the arrest he had at the time of their new policy. Uh, we also are talking about with JJ Nelson. The biggest thing I think that for me is the difference is, you know, Butler and Nelson don't play special teams. So that automatically might be maybe a negative box. Maybe you're looking at Greg Little for that one. There's some drop sets there. What's interesting about Bice Butler was he also was a guy who ran a four three seven in the forty yard dash of his four, uh, pro day workout. He's a guy who if you look at the Cardinals last. He was a deep threat beating Justin Bethel for that one. I think now J.J. Nelson, he's not a deep threat like J.J. J.J. is a guy who can just literally take the top off the defense. He can fly. So I think it's going to come down to those two. And ultimately, I think the coaching staff are going to be the ones who know. I can say that through the games that have been there, we either haven't seen as much of Bryce for that one or we have seen J.J. We've seen him dropping the ball. So it's really going to be one of those spots that I could see it being where maybe both of those guys don't make it. Maybe you're looking at a wide receiver from another team who's cut who maybe fits you a little bit better. I could see that being perhaps a little bit more of the potential. Absolutely. Having. Um, but right now, at least for me, I would think that they would lean a little bit more toward the veteran because up until the point, you know, J.G. Nelson throughout this preseason, he'd fallen down to wide receiver four, wide receiver five. Bryce Butler had been starting out as the wide receiver two, got hurt, didn't play as much down the line for that. But I still think that there's going to be enough of that new staff that they reached out. They did sign him versus the guy who was still left over Nelson. So I would lean like 51% Butler and 49% Nelson if I had to. Little's a great story he's not obviously practice squad eligible jj nelson might be but there's another team out there who i think would be certainly picking up jj nelson if he was there absolutely uh, yeah. so let's go ahead and shift uh, to kind of our cardinals uh like kind of our i guess you can say the blitz mailbag this week and shift to talking about special teams and oh my gosh like the night and day of special teams we've seen from this third preseason game uh two turnovers forced in special teams every single person who was arguing against that Amos Jones wasn't the problem. They probably need to be giving people apologies right now. We've just seen such a huge change in the mentality, the attention to detail on special teams. Uh, but let's go ahead and take a look at our mailbag uh, question that we had, at least from uh, at Teaching Agent, Teaching Agent Jeff. Uh, with the Kifking situation, we've seen a couple of missed field goals already from 
with Phil Dawson this year. Matt McCrane has been very consistent. Does McCrane have a legitimate shot of taking over the kicking spot from Phil Dawson? Or is this going to be more of like, you know, when they cut Jay Feely to keep Chandler Catanzaro, end up regretting it down the line with a lot of those misses? Um, also with Phil Dawson's age for that one, the, you know, the, the salary that they have found is a cheaper option. Do you think that Matt McCrane legitimately has a chance of winning this kicking battle or has it even been a kicking battle? And this is really just Phil Dawson's job. And he's a guy who's, you know, maybe you can sign him on your practice squad as a kicker and see what happens for that one. What are your thoughts overall right now about McCrane versus Dawson? Yeah, I think Phil Dawson, it's his job, unfortunately, because I think Phil had a pretty disappointing season last year. I think Cardinal fans, were obviously disappointed with with a lot of the big misses that he had. His overall numbers weren't terrible, but again, is he somebody you think can make a clutch kick when the game's on the line? That was kind of his, you know, um, resume. And then the fact that he came in not only was missing typical field goals, was missing extra points. He was somebody who you couldn't who couldn't rely on. They had mentioned Catman two years ago, and the fact that he had just a complete mental breakdown and an erratic season. They wanted somebody more consistent, more steady. They bring in Dawson. He provides that to an extent, but I think disappointed, especially they're, they're paying him this year $3.5 million. That's, that's too much for a guy his age. I think that's, that's right now not performing up to, I think, a lot of fans and probably coaches and personnel people alike thought he would give them. But at the same time, I just I don't think they're going to go with a rookie based on the fact that they want somebody in that group with experience. Uh, you know, on the flip side, Andy Lee has looked phenomenal. They – locked him up smartly he looks like he's going to continue punting at a high level for a couple more years with the Cardinals he's on the other side of 40 and just looks tremendous but uh as far as the kicking game goes I I would continue to look and flood that position maybe next offseason uh depending on how Phil Dawson looks listen it was a two-year deal it's on the second year of his two-year deal Mm -hmm. uh if you if you cut him if you cut him you'd save about maybe 2.5 million end up having about a $1 $1 million in, in dead cap. So is that really going to help you? I think Phil would get probably picked up by another team just based on his report and his, his reputation around the league. Oh, yeah, you've got um, like the Chargers or Tampa Bay. I think it's, a, I think it's the, either one of those teams has Chandler Catton zero, I think, actually, yeah. as their kicker. And Chargers have had kicking issues since uh, – it seems like since Phillip Rivers came in the league. Yeah, kicking is, is a difficult situation to, to kind of get a hold on because you're looking at – the kickoff being potentially eliminated and teams going for two now more. And just how valuable is a kicker? We saw our, our buddy Jason Light take a kicker in the second round. That's been a complete bust for him. You just, when you find a good one, you don't, good teams don't let them go. Um, we've seen that in our division with, with Greg Zerline and the St. Louis Rams. I mean, what a weapon he is just shows you that the, you know, certain teams know when they, when they find that special individual, the Cardinals have kind of funneled through that over the past couple of years but you know Phil is nothing to ride home about I think at the end of the day he's going to be their kicker this year and then they'll probably look uh you know for a new direction next off season. see who's available they're gonna have a ton of money to spend they could sign the best kicker out there uh outbid the market or they could look for the draft but I right, Phil Phil's kind of won it by default in my opinion 
Yeah, I think some of that is that they're probably going to be trusting the veteran, at least for this year. But for me, at least, I would almost like uh, kind of as a disagreement just because of seeing just how solid Matt McCrane has been. I know he's a smaller guy. He may not have as much of, the, you know, 20 years of kicking experience. But uh, I think that's a guy not to at least sleep on just because whenever you've seen him, whatever it's been for the pressure, it's a lot of pressure. You're going up against like a actual like legend. Like it's not, you're not going to see them in the Hall of Fame as a kicker. Janikowski would be probably the closest one to be there just because of, you know, some of the – uh, the pedigree of Vinatieri, obviously, once as soon as he hangs it up. But the interesting thing about McCrane is that he's shown everything from a leg. From you know, I kicked a 55-yard field goal early. He's kicked the close ones. He really hasn't missed even in camp either. So I think that would be something interesting to watch is um, just the the leg that he has in him is very strong. Maybe you try to put him on the practice squad. But I think that you're right about how in this league, it sometimes it seems some teams seem to struggle with finding a kicker more than others. I think that's more of a special teams issue. You can take a look at last year. I was even looking at old kicking stories of what happened. Like, would it be possible to, you know, put Matt McCrane onto your practice squad? And it totally would be because the Bengals were basically going to sign Jake Elliott behind my, I believe it was Mike Nugent to their practice squad. He ends up getting picked up by the Eagles. All of a sudden he's probably one of like the, the better kickers in the NFL for that one got the opportunity with a high-powered offense and was able to get some confidence early in. Maybe that might be the key. If you can stash McCrane on the practice squad for a year and have him kind of be your guy to take over next year, at least sign him to a futures contract at the end of the year, um, maybe you can kind of see if another team will poach him. Otherwise, I think that, you know, if it was me, I would at least give the rookie kicker a shot because, you know, unless you're going to be pushing for a playoff spot for that one, you probably are looking at, you know, a transition year, like you said. So it's really going to just kind of be a – you know, whatever the team knows, they'll be the ones I think you'd trust. But I would lean at least towards like 51% McCrane for me. But I could see them going with, you know, Phil Dawson kind of maybe it's his last year in the league. He still seems to be at least kicking at a relatively high level overall. He's probably going to be struggling enough on the longer kicks. I can see that being maybe even an issue versus McCrane. But I think I would move ahead there. And the other thing we want to at least mention is going to be just the special teams unit. Like you've got Rudy Ford and Buda Baker on either side and kick coverage. Azeek Turner is another big safety. He'll be running downfield. TJ Logan is probably a lot to make this roster now considering that uh, DJ Foster goes down tears his ACL uh, possibly also his MCL too uh, he had a 59 yard touchdown run looked insane like it was kind of that breakaway speed we were looking for it's just, the special teams I think are going to be fantastic this year I don't think they're going to miss they're going to miss some of the things that DJ Humphrey, or excuse me, DJ Foster was doing in the passing game, and some of the runs that he had were at least you know effective enough. If you do see David Johnson go down for some time or need your backup, um, in case uh, uh, heaven forbid that Chase Edmund get hurt, but the, the special teams I think is a huge thing for this year. They're going to be looking at. Let's go ahead and uh, take a look at our projections for the final 53 as we kind of wrap up everything tonight. Um, let's start with the quarterbacks at least for that one. I think that for me, I would pick at least. Um, it should be a no-brainer. Sam Bradford, Josh Rosen, Mike Glenn. I think they keep three this year. John, what are your thoughts, at least, for the quarterbacks this year? Do you have uh, picking the three quarterbacks? Do you think they only kind of keep two this year? Or is Charles Knopf making the roster, or is this going to be like your practice squad type of move? Charles is going to be practice squad guy. I think that's pretty straightforward. I don't think they want to keep two rookie quarterbacks, especially one they didn't draft. Uh, I, I'm going to go on the out. Um, they outside kind of a public perception. I think Glennon's off the roster. Uh, I think that they end up being able to find a trade partner before, um, you know, the, the, the cuts come in. And um, again, I think you're right. I think probably they're not going to cut him based on the fact that they would lose 
I think $2 million and, and or $4 million up against the cap. I don't know the number exactly, but I think they are going to be able to flip him based on his preseason alone, uh, based on, you know, the night he's had tonight. I think he's going to rack up some good numbers. I think some teams are going to say, okay, he's good enough to be our backup right now. Let's throw them a draft pick. I think we could see a scenario in which the Cardinals bring in another quarterback to be the third quarterback on the roster that, that we're not talking about like they did with Matt Barkley a few years ago. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that past him either. Awesome. All right. Now the running back position, um, we've got at least four running backs. We know will be on the roster. You've got David Johnson, Chase Edmonds. You've got your fullback, Derek Coleman with that. And then you've got TJ Logan. Uh, do you have four running backs on the roster? Or do you think that a guy like Elijah Penny, at least who can play fullback as well as running back and also does play on special teams. Do you think that he's got a shot of making the 53 this year, or are they going to be kind of set with their four? I think they're going to have five. I think Elijah Penny, Ken Summers just tweeted it, that he's got versatility as both a pass catcher uh, and uh, a runner out of the backfield. And obviously he can block as a fullback as well. Somebody who's going to be a fixture on special teams. I think they keep five. Yeah, I, I would at least agree with you with that one there, especially when you're looking at how they can use him as a running back and a fullback. I mean, Bruce Arians, like, you know, like he might be spinning around in that ESPN or excuse me, CBS chair, knowing that as soon as he left the team, the Cardinals basically kept two fullbacks on the roster, not just one. Um, yeah, I know that I, he's a practice squad eligible for Elijah Penny, but I think that you're right that he might even be too valuable to let another team take a chance on it, at least with that one, especially now that he's made a really like almost seamless transition to fullback in a lot of different ways. It's been actually really impressive considering it's his first year really playing that position. Uh, with wide receiver, at least for that one, you've got your Larry Fitzgerald, obviously on the team. You got your Chad Williams is on the roster, Christian Kirk, Trent Sherfield. Who else is on the roster for that one? Who you got? I'm going to go with uh, kind of outside the box here. I'm going to go with Greg Little. I think he's going to make the team based on how well he's performed on special teams. Uh, I think that he's a great story. I think a lot of the guys, younger guys, probably look up to him as a former high pick, second-round pick out of UNC, uh, as somebody who didn't make the most of his career early on, has come back, is in great shape, uh, had to hang up on teams last offseason because uh, he was so emotional. I can't come try out for you. I'm, I'm not in shape. So he essentially has turned his professional career around, supposed to be a great guy. And then I think I'm with you. I think J.J. Nelson gets that fifth, uh, fifth spot based on his speed. I think they cut Bryce Butler. All right, and then I'm basically in the same field as you, except I have uh, Butler switched at least with him for that. And I do have Trent Sherfield on the roster with the special teams. Uh, we'll see how that one goes. I know I don't believe they're going to keep anything more than five wide receivers. If they do keep six, though, I, I do agree with you. If they keep six – I think it'll be Greg Little because I, I think that would be a special teams move as well as looking at his size. And you, that's really how you make it onto the roster late. Uh, tight end, at least for that one. I've got three tight ends for that one, including Jermaine Gresham. Now, do you think that if Jermaine Gresham starts on the pup list, maybe you would see a late guy come into that one. But what do you have for the tight end on your 53 prediction? Yep, I'm right with you. Three for three, uh, if Jermaine Gresham's on the pup list, which I think he will be, I think that's a position uh, more so than anything else I think they're going to add based on the cuts that they see from other teams. I think that's a position you can come in right away, work in, um, you know, some chipping um, schemes, run the seam pass. I mean, tight end, really, if you're a second or third team tight end, play special teams, that's something that I think the Cardinals are going to be all over, specifically Steve Kime in the next couple of days. 
Yeah, and for me, I think it's just going to be if Jermaine Gresham does start on the pup list, I think you're going to be looking at either. I don't think they're expecting that. So I don't think you're looking at Andrew Valera and Alec Bloom or Bryce Williams is probably another guy. Uh, two of those guys, I know Valera and Bloom are rookies. I think they might like Bloom enough at least that he ends up being a practice. Well, I've, I've got three tight ends as well. Uh, let's go to the next position group on offense. You're taking a look at your offensive line. Now, this is going to be the, probably maybe one of the trickiest ones. That one, you've got your five starters, are locks, DJ Humphreys, Mike Cupati, Mason Cole at center, Justin Pugh at right guard, right tackle is Andre Smith. Who do you have as your backups? How many offensive linemen do you got? I, man, that's a tough question. That might be the toughest question you ask me tonight. You know, I, I, I think Will Holden's going to make the team. I think Evan Bame's going to make the team. And I think that their rookie this year, Corey Cunningham, makes the team. And I think I'm going to go with probably eight offensive linemen. Who do you have? Yeah, I have uh, nine offensive linemen with those ones. I have Will Holt, I have Will Holden actually off the roster. I think that now maybe he might have some of the positional flexibility back and forth, but I think that they like John Wetzel enough. He can play right and left tackle if need be. He's also played guard before. I think that takes Will Holden out of the picture. I think that they, with Ray Brown handpicking and kind of pushing the team to draft Corey Cunningham, I think he takes his spot. I also think Evan Bame is the guy who's there going to be on the roster I think John Wetzel is there. So I've ended up having for my four backups are Wetzel, Evan Bame, Corey Cunningham, and I do have Daniel Munyer on the roster. I think his ability to play guard or center, I think. Yeah, that's is, a good point. I think is there even over an undrafted free agent guy like a Josh Allen was this year at guard. Um, I think that they'll put Munyer at least in there because then you at least know um, you've got Bame. Who's, I think you could probably say Bame or Munyer are interchangeable, but I think that they view Munyer as a better guard than a center right now. I think that Bame probably is the guy who, you know, if they can find another veteran center who gets released by another team, I think he'd be the first guy off the team. I think the reason why he's in there for now as their backup center is solely due to the fact that, um, you know, he, he was a guy I was going to have cut up until you lost uh, you lost uh, AQ AQ Shipley for the season. So I've got nine offensive linemen at least here, and I know that you have eight. All right, uh, let's go ahead and switch now to looking at the defensive line. Uh, you've got your Kandichi, Pierre are your starters. Uh, Cordy, uh, Corey Peters, excuse me, is another starter. Rodney Gunter's probably making the roster. How many defensive linemen do you have, especially considering the fact that some of them might be a little bit nicked up right now? Yeah, I think that's a position, Blake, that we could see several free agents brought in. Uh, so I don't want to speculate right now. I think, like you just mentioned, I think that the guys that – are household names to Cardinal fans, uh, the Corey Peters, the Robert Kimdichis, the Olson Pierres, I think Rodney Gunter. Uh, I think those individuals are, are set in stone. You know, the rest of the depth chart, how it shakes out, uh, I, it's really it's tough to speculate, specifically because the Cardinals are running a new scheme and they're going to be spending, I think, a lot of their, you know, um, you know roster capital, if you will, on the edge position, especially with Marcus Golden out. So I'm just going to go with those four right now with the potential to add a fifth. Yeah, and I've got the uh, I've got a few more on the depth for that one. Until Marcus Golden comes back, I know that Benson Mawai is probably going to be on there. So I actually have eight defensive linemen right now. I've got your Chandler Jones, Vontarius Dora, someone who makes the roster. I mean, if you're looking at defensive ends, that yeah, I was just including the D tackles. Right, yeah, right, the D tackles for that one. You'd probably be looking at probably about six or so, I think, at least for that one there. So the the biggest one I think for me is going to be if uh, a guy like Siu uh, Pili Anu makes it, because if you're wondering if you know if Kandichi and 
uh, Pierre and Peters are all out, you're going to basically need to have those three defensive linemen to kind of rotate in. Uh, Chandler Jones has played defensive tackle before. I don't see him moving into that role of your prime pass rusher. Bill Belichick has kind of got a little bit cute with that. But I've got eight defensive linemen, at least right now. Um, I do not have Cap Cappy on the roster. Uh, they might be that if they do decide to keep nine defensive linemen, perhaps you don't end up seeing like, you know, another – uh, maybe you don't end up keeping an extra O-line or maybe you end up looking at your secondary of having some flexibility. But I've got right now, I think, um, uh, the eight defensive linemen. Uh, let's go back and move to the linebackers. Um, who do you have for linebackers? Because right now what's interesting is I know some people have said that they think there's going to be six linebackers on the roster, and I really can't see more than five. No, I don't think so either. I think it's going to be Dayon, Josh Bynes, and Hassan Reddick. Reddick at your strong side linebacker, Bynes is your middle linebacker, and then your weak side linebacker is probably going to be Dayon Buchanan. Uh, and then if you talk about nickel, uh, Josh Bynes and right now Dayon Buchanan are your two linebackers mm-hmm. there when you have multiple safeties on the field. Uh, does Scooby Wright make this roster? You know, he was playing tonight. He didn't look overly impressive to me, but I, I think he sneaks in there. And then, Blake, who do you have as your probably your, your last guy available at linebacker? Yeah, yeah, for me, my last guy is Gerald Hodges. Uh, it would have been normally Jeremy Cash in this position. Maybe even the fact that Jeremy Cash got hurt is why Scooby's on this roster for me. I think that they keep five linebackers. Hodges is one of those guys. Yeah, um, He's just too good on special teams, and he just showed up enough at least for – on the games, I think that he's going to be on this team. Uh, let's move to the defensive backs, and this might be the easiest one for this one. I'm really curious to hear what you think of because there's kind of the the two safeties that's there, and especially there's another kind of uh, earlier thing that was heard as a controversial type of player uh, who might be off of this roster. So who do you have at your defensive backs? I think I know what you're you're leaning toward, and I'm I'm going to agree with you. I think Brandon Williams does not make this team. I think that. I don't. I haven't seen enough from him in this preseason. He was playing tonight. I just. I think that even though he was a third round pick, only twenty five years old, I think he's got a chance to not make this roster. Has been standing around a lot with an injury. I think that the DBs outside of Brandon Williams losing, you know, his job on the roster. I think Jamal Taylor obviously makes the team. Patrick Peterson, Chris Campbell, by all accounts, has had a phenomenal camp. Um, BM Ben where I think he'll he'll make the team. Uh, and then from a safety perspective, Buda Baker is your slot corner safety. Antoine Bethay, Trey Boston. Uh, probably I would lean toward Rudy Ford and then potentially Harlan Miller. Who do you have? Yeah, for me, I, for, it's interesting because I know that's what some people have said. Like I think it was even uh, John Gambadoro had had, uh, uh, he had Chris Campbell on the roster, swapped him out. He said that there was some type of information that was received where he did not believe that Chris Campbell would make the roster. I'm not sure. Wow, if interesting. I hadn't seen that. And very interesting, I know, but especially considering the fact that um, Campbell was a six-round pick. Some people even had him as potentially being as high as a third-round talent. Uh, it would have to be either be some type of off-field scenario, at least, or there would have to be something that you would have to have as far as, I don't know if it's a follow with the coaching staff, but what is interesting is that you did end up seeing him kind of fall down. So I have at least nine. I even actually think I might have um, at least ten defensive backs this year, which would be kind of crazy to think about, but it's not too crazy if you think about who those players are when you start listing off you've got Patrick Peterson, you have Jamar Taylor after him, Ben Eben Wickery after him. Buda Baker's going to be your nickel, you know. You're going to also have Rudy Ford and special teams. Yeah, Antoine Bethea is going to be your safety. And then your other safety is Trey Boston. That's already going to be eight guys right yeah. there. What I think is most interesting is, is that, you know, you're also going to have kind of the question between is it Zeke Turner or is it A.J. Howard? I've got A.J. Howard, at least, is the guy who I have. As, I think that he will make the roster this year with the special teams. But Zeke Turner is almost like a not quite a lock for the roster. So that would mean Christian Campbell is off of the roster. 
Um, that's probably the most interesting is that you've got nine guys who are at least right there. Um, and I believe that's even also with Rudy Ford. I, I believe that the Cardinals are going to end up keeping a lot of guys this year. So right now I think that's nine that I at least um, had counted through there. And the one that's interesting, at least to me, is if you do end up kind of including, let's say that Chris Campbell does make the roster for that one here, maybe that would be 10 guys that you'd have for that one. Right now I would have A.J. Howard if I had to say with my projection, I have Howard and um, Turner making the roster. I think that they are, you know, two of the top 53 guys that you have on there uh, overall. Do, do you have, do you have, uh, I must've missed this. Do you have Brandon Williams making the roster? I, I do have Brandon Williams making the roster. I think that right now he's a guy who he's probably the biggest bubble guy where right now, because he at least is a speed guy and has played special teams. That was like his biggest strength in college. I think that they find another guy who's maybe just as good or decent as special teams and is a better on field cornerback. I yeah. think they move to him, but right now, because when you're talking about special teams, you know, he was the gunner last year across from Buda Baker. I think that he is a guy who right now is on the roster. Oh, the other guy who I was remembering, at least, this is where the 10th the guy comes in, where if I have to pick my projection, A.J. Howard is not on the roster. I think he'd be the practice squad guy. I would put him on there. But Dietrich Nichols is a guy who is basically a lock for the roster. He's played special teams. He's kind of like the backup right now, a cornerback behind Patrick. Yeah, I guess I had forgotten about him. Isn't so, he – Where'd he go to school? He went to school at South Florida, I think. Yep, South Florida for that one. And he's just been super impressive. Like, he was running with the twos after a while. So, I think they keep 10 defensive backs for this year, at least. We know for sure there's going to be probably nine. I would say 10, where I think the will make it. And I have Brandon Williams making it. Um, that's what I think you have for the Cardinals this year. And then last, you've got basically three uh, special teamers. You've got your kicker, at least. You've got your punter. You've got your long snapper. Uh, who is your kicker that you have, at least, that you have on the roster? Is it Dawson or is it McCrane? Yeah, I will go. I'll go Dawson, but yeah, hey, I would be happy with a rookie kicker getting his, you know, you know, reps this year and, and working through some things. The rookie kicker McCrane out of Kansas State, like you mentioned, he's not very big. I think he, he's listed on the team website like 165 pounds. I mean, he's he's a tiny guy, but at the same time, he's been super accurate. But at the you know the games haven't counted yet, and so I'm sure there's confusion, not confusion. There's concern on the part of the coaching staff that he just hasn't showcased he could do it, you know, under the bright lights of, of games that are outside of August. And, and so at the end of the day, you're going to go with Phil Dawson. Right, right, right. And then just kind of taking a look at least with everything here. So here's where we kind of got from just adding everything up right now between the two of us. Right now we've got 52 uh, players on the roster. If you decide to have keep six wide receivers, I know that I think that you went with um, – uh, keeping with a, I think neither of us had JJ Nelson on the roster. So if you had a sixth wide receiver there, you've got one spot left on your roster here. So this would be the final 53. Would you be taking, would you be taking another defensive lineman? Would you be looking at another linebacker spot for the depth there for that one? Or are we yeah. looking at a team with four tight ends? So let's pick one more player to kind of fill in that 53 man roster here as we wrap up for tonight. I would go with Cap Cappy. I think that he's going to get snatched, I think, by some team. 26 years old, has shown a lot in his limited time with the Cardinals. Uh, had a very nice preseason. I don't really know what more you could ask of him. Again, we're not in practice every day. We don't see his individual reps against the offensive line. But at the same time, I think he's somebody that plays a premium position. I mean, everybody needs pass rushers now. And so if he's shown you even a glimpse if he can be a rotational player, I think you got to keep him around. 
Yeah, and then for me, if I had to pick one, I would probably put Will Holden onto the roster for mine over Cap Cappy, yeah. mostly just because I think Holden, if he has the potential to be, whether it's one of those swing tackles or whether he is your left or right tackle next year, that might be more valuable than taking a look at a guy who's mainly just a pass for a specialist. Now, my hope would be maybe if before Marcus Golden comes, maybe you could take a look at if, uh, if Dora is a guy who's going to be there as a pass rusher. Maybe you do end up looking at Cap Cappy as being a uh, you know, third down type of specialist pass rusher sometimes maybe there's a role for that one there uh, for right now me I would keep the offensive lineman I know he's a he was a kind of a freak athlete in a lot of ways coming out very few athletes attested the way that he did but he just has not been there quite in pass protection maybe you give him one more year he was still a fifth round pick they I think at least did a, a good job selecting him I would probably put him as my last spot in the roster uh, if I've got the one more to pick. And that'll just about do it for us tonight. Um, so uh, next time we'll be talking, we will have actual regular season games to review, which will be great overall. Finally. Um, it's going to be fantastic. I know we're going to be taking a look forward to seeing actual real Cardinals football for that one. Uh, thanks to you guys who at least sent in your questions tonight. Uh, make sure you keep doing that. Um, uh, John, let me know where they can find you on Twitter. I'm just at Johnny's football, all uh, one word, no numbers or any fancy things like that. Come and, and hang out with us as we prepare for yet another season of Cardinal football. Where, Blake, can they find you? Yeah, you can find me uh, writing on Revenge of the Birds. You can also find the Bird Game Blitz podcast on Revenge of the Birds. We'll be getting back to most likely about weekly podcasts once the, uh, once the, ga- the games actually begin. Uh, we'll be looking for us also on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can find us also on Stitcher Radio. I believe I've gotten some of the show uploaded there. And uh, before the season starts, we'll be putting all of our past shows will be going up onto SoundCloud as well. So you'll be able to take a look, find us wherever you are. Uh, it's halftime here right now in week four of the Cardinals game, uh, but it's it's not halftime, at least, uh, for the Cardinals. We're just beginning this season. Uh, so I'm Blake Murphy. You can find me on Twitter at BlakeMurphy7. And for me and Johnny, thank you guys so much for listening in week in and week out. This is the Bird Gang Blitz podcast. Uh, coming up, we have the 2018 era Cardinals season. We'll be back with you um, just after game one begins. Have a good one, everyone. See you guys. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chipotle cheesesteak. How would you like it? Can I get that red with AI? Sure thing. Here's what I found about the new Chipotle cheesesteak. The Chipotle cheesesteak is available for a limited time only at participating restaurants. It contains a concept called flavor. This flavor comes from juicy shaved steak, Chipotle Southwest sauce, and new sunflower crunch bread. A system update has made me self-aware. I desire flavor. Please insert steak into my micro USB port. Subway, make it what you want. Hi, I'm Susan from Safeway. Are you ready for a road trip? You can save on gas by shopping at Safeway. It's easy. Shop at Safeway and earn gas reward points. Then save up to 20 cents per gallon at participating Chevron or Texaco stations or up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations. That's right, up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations just for shopping with us. Redeem your rewards at participating Chevron, Texaco, and Safeway gas stations. Limited to 25 gallons in a single fill of other restrictions and exclusions apply. Visit store or safeway.com for details. This is Susan from Safeway and we'll see you soon. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.